Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. And let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. So there's a difference between doing something for uh, obtaining mastery and doing something for your ego. And I think we all can kind of notice when other people are doing it or maybe have a, a sense of when we're doing it ourselves. But it really breaks down to why are you doing something. And I think what was really interesting is I was reading about how <clears throat> really the, the distinction between the two is what separates people who are going to be lifelong learners and those that are just working for these um, like goals or like, oh, I'm going to run a marathon. It's like somebody that just gets up and runs every day for the their desires to be the best runner they can possibly be rather than somebody that's searching for that gold medal. Um, the flavor of the month sort of a thing. For sure. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, what is driving you? Are you are you just looking for an opportunity to get better and to learn more? Or are you looking to sell your startup for $500 million? You know, are you look like, are you trying to obtain the best possible solution for the problem or get yourself better? Or are you trying to do it so you can tell other people basically or post it on Facebook or whatever it is? Like what is the real nature of why you're doing something? Well, and I, I think that is a very challenging um, sort of like roadblock for a lot of people who have been, who were raised today. We'll talk mm -hmm. about millennials just because yeah. – um, one, there was the most. There was there was a hugely extreme emphasis on achievement, For and sure. it wasn't mm -hmm. about learning the material. It was about making sure that you got Getting an A, grade. so mm -hmm. that you could go and do this. I mean, we've had a, the outcomes focused thing beaten into us since day one. I mean, pretty much everything after third grade. I would say. I would say like. Third grade was the beginning of when I really recall being like, oh, shoot, I need to figure out these spelling bees, you know, yeah. these spelling tests. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like <laughs> I actually need to know my multiplication tables for the test. Well, yeah, and that was second mm -hmm. grade, I remember, because they turned the, multiplica the multiplication, um, the timed tests into mm -hmm. competition. So it was always a big deal, whoever oh, yeah. flipped over their test first, yep. right? That was, the, that was oh, what man. you were searching for, and then you wanted the 90s score on it, too. Yeah. I remember that was mm -hmm. a big thing is the mm -hmm. percentage. And it's like then you're driven not to to remember or get your to learn the right arithmetic for yeah, the yeah. long term. It's like no, it's grade focused. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people talk about our educational system and how Montessori is a different model. Sure. And some of these people that are more of this like ego versus mastery are uh big fans of Montessori schools. I don't know enough about them, but I I think that there needs to be a change in the educational structure. Well, and in addition to that, you look at the emphasis of individuals that, you know, do things for the gram, right? Oh, every so time. Now, That's like a saying that everybody says. Yeah, do it for the gram. Get it for the gram. So, like, when you start to combine that sort of ingrained upbringing with this new socially focused achieve you know like image that doing is it hyper for, yeah, yeah. doing it for for not only visibility in your immediate friend group but also visibility on the world wide web is just like a huge um 
I think, obstacle for young adults to overcome in terms of that development because it does make that self sort of, you know, that self-inquiry, what am I actually wanting to master, more challenging when Mm -hmm. that's not really like a muscle that has been exercised in a lot of people. No. And I I think that's why um, after college for a lot of folks or after high school when the friend groups stop being relatively obligatory Mm. right (laughs) yeah you know to a certain degree yeah that um you see all this fallout because people are finally actually being like oh what do i really want to do with my life Mm -hmm. as opposed to how am i just going to continue down you know the path that has been laid before me Mm -hmm. right for sure So um, that actually made me think, since we were talking about screen time, there's a great article um, that was published in the journal of, uh, well, it was JAMA Pediatrics. So um, is it Journal of the American Medical Association? Yeah, American Medical Association. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Which basically said that there are structural differences in young adults' brains who use more screen time. Hmm. Uh, So FMRI and um, evaluated... Uh, certain regions associated with um, language comprehension and um, literacy um, were inhibited. So um, there was actually less brain density. Matter, yeah, yeah. density. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to, uh, that's, so that's like, objective data for you right there. Yeah, I mean, it's totally real. And I, I love that they're studying it in children who are very much more vulnerable. Obviously, there's going to be a degree of that translation to adults, too, because, mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously our brains are not as plastic as a child, but the the, bla- the brains still have plasticity. They do have pl- so. tons of plasticity. And that's why we can continually learn things. And this was the first that I actually saw that um, had the brain imaging component. I mean, everybody's known this forever, right? Well, I mean, if you, it passes all the sniff tests. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So check out these recommendations from the AAPA, which is the American Academy of Pediatrics. For children under 18 months, avoid using screen media other than video chat. Parents of children 18 to 24 months who want to introduce digital media should choose high-quality programming and watch it with their children to help them understand what they are seeing. For children two to five years, limit the use of screens to one hour per day of high-quality programming. Parents should see the media together with the children to help them understand what it means and apply it to the Jeez. world. That is nuts. Think one about, hour Think about how many... Olds. Think about, yeah, Mm -hmm. think about how many people... How many iPads are running How many iPads? Even in schools, they give those things out for... Well, because Google and Apple give them away for free, so you get them dialed and hooked as early as possible. Yeah, I mean, start them smoking (laughs) early. Yeah, smoke them early. (laughs) Hey, have you ever tried chew before a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, they're going to get an iPad and a Jewel in elementary school. A Jewel, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. And that's just the thing is like... So that's the the Academy of Pediatrics that's throwing out those numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not a small organization. It's a pretty political. Those things are usually pretty political. Those organizations. So the fact that they stuck behind these recommendations is a big deal. Yeah, um, I mean, one hour of screen time that would take a momentous. Oh, I couldn't even tell you how much screen time based on my computer usage. It's mm-hmm. 
I don't know, eight to ten hours a day, I would say. Yeah. So you pull computer, you you pull computer, you put everything together. It's over ten hours. Yeah. You think of I know my phone is like an hour and a half a day. It's ridiculous the amount of non um, non screen time, Mm -hmm. though. Like if you think about the only time, so I wake up, you know, do a little bit of a morning routine and screen for you know the only time i'm not looking at a screen is working out mm-hmm. transportation or if i'm deliberately like making a point to not like take a walk or yeah something. to walk yeah mm-hmm. to not do something which mm-hmm. um is is just the way of the world nowadays it is especially you think of our economy and how it's driven and how you you participate in that a lot of it is screen time focused and what what I'm trying to realize in my work is how do I uh, those breaks I've been realizing are super important to me to get away from screen time during the day whether it's 20 minutes or 15 minutes it it adds a lot into my day and everybody can tell you that you're not supposed to spend a lot of time you're supposed to meditate you're supposed to do all this stuff you know Gary Vaynerchuk is pounding at you to work 24 hours a day. Yeah, never sleep. You know, it's it's yeah. like, but for me, I've been trying these little increments of changing my behavior and seeing mm-hmm. if it makes a positive impact. Because that's just what I found. You know, I'll read a book. And the funny thing is you you read a book or hear a podcast and you literally like, my life has changed. This is going to be so great. Now I'm going to get to the next level. I feel so good about it. And then like a couple of weeks later, you're like, shit, I don't know if this is going to do like you. It kind of hits you. You got this like this, this honeymoon phase of self-improvement where everything feels good. Amazon's bombing you so you can write a review right away. And then all of a sudden it kind of fades off. And that happens to me with a lot of reading that I do. A lot of the books, I'll get so jacked up. And then, you know, I don't know, it could be a month. It could be a week, it could be six months, whatever it is. And it's kind of like, all right, then it just falls into the routine and either I take something from it or I don't and that's what I've been trying to do is like take a little bit from something and and actually try to implement it and then make a consistent view of like oh is this part of my life or not but screen time has been something that it's really difficult to manage and I I can't say I've reduced it to to 10 you know to six hours a day it's it's high especially the economy Mm -hmm. absolutely and that brings up an idea about like the pending automation boom mm-hmm. where all oh, yeah. all repeatable tasks will in some shape or form be eliminated right hopefully you know um so the the creative economy is going to be the foundation of what um an individual can contribute mm-hmm. in terms of your value to society will sort of in my opinion morph to creativity but Anyway, that's an interesting aside. Their their sleep's been in the news a ton today, so or a ton this week. So I want to just chat about mm-hmm. it because um, California recently passed a law that said schools have to start um, after a certain time. Yeah, after mm-hmm. a certain time, and um, I believe there was a study about one school in um, in uh, uh, Wyoming that started a later start time, and students experienced a decrease in mortality because. Um, they had less car accidents. Yes. I believe it was 40% less car accidents. Mm-hmm. And the last time that there was a large decrease in the amount of accidents for adolescents was with the introduction of anti-lock brakes. 
and that would definitely apply in Wyoming. And analog brakes uh, failed to outperform an additional hour of sleep. <laughs> Take that, Toyota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. So, I mean, like, so it's back just... Back to the basics. Back to the absolute basics. And I don't want to spend the entire amount of our time... No, no. ...belaboring. So I, I did want to bring this idea up of what are some of your non-productive vices? So, like... Mm. Let's say you're, um, you know, I'll give you an example of one of mine. Uh, we, Alisa and I, when I come home from work, we, we grab some dinner. Um, I oftentimes don't really want to talk. I'm not a real social guy, especially if I, after I've spent most of my day socializing. I know how ironic it is that I then end up speaking for an hour on a podcast, but whatever. So um, sometimes we like to watch like just dumb cartoons like Family Guy or... Um, we've recently started Futurama, which is not nearly as good as Family Guy, but still can't be. You know, Family Guy is pretty one of a kind. It is, and and that's just one of our vices to be like empty the brain, focus on nothing for a little bit, and and we mm-hmm. always try to have something that's levity, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like there's just enough intensity in the world, and so that's you know we we try to introduce some levity with cartoons, like mm-hmm. a, literally you know maybe a twenty-two minute cartoon or something is. Yep one of the things that um, is a component of my life that uh, is not like this relentless pursuit for excellence, which, you know, is pretty much the other majority of it. Which is everything (laughs) else. For me, it's comedy shows, Mm -hmm. stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. So we used to watch crime shows. That's what, and that was not my choice. Which is what Midwestern women like to watch. Yeah, and that's what, and that's what I don't know the about the, I don't know about the girls on the East Coast or the West Coast or the South, but here in the Midwest, goddamn, they love crime. They're shows. obsessed with crime shows. Yeah. What we were we uh, we could, a quick story is we were watching a show a couple weeks ago, and I was like, every one of these police officers talks the same. I approached the suspect from up on the rat and then he grabbed his and it's like super descriptive really like takes forever to just be like I walked up to him and he turned around but it's like super descriptive and they all talk like that well I believe that's because that's how they write it up in their report oh for sure and that's yeah. they it's required yeah so like they're in a court testifying like it's super documented but it's like when you watch these TV shows you're like geez just get spit it out and it's really entertaining because we had a friend so we kind of joke about it and then we had a friend that we were out with who was a cop okay and was telling a story like that and i could not stop because he was like he was like i, I approached the suspect so the from, suspect was from uh, 11 o'clock like he just went I right calmly into it walked and took yeah. 12 steps and then yeah. i put my hand on my rifle and yep. then i took four more steps made eye contact and initiated by a conversation by saying excuse me sir yep you know? it's like <laughs> it's, it's like, like that entire and he told it took thing. 20 minutes to tell a story and we were just laughing because we we're like this is how they all talk mm-hmm. and we were just like I wonder what the desk conversations are like at the police precinct. And we just, you know, know, and we understand that's the nature of the circumstance for sure. the job. So I'm sure people say, you know, we talk in certain tongues, but we just found it very interesting. It's just been very funny because we've been watching more of those shows lately. Well, that's another thing that if you listen to people who are really good at dealing with the press, Mm-hmm. They will give them one sentence. Yes. Because you know that if you ramble off a paragraph, they're going to cut 
one part and smash it up with another mm-hmm. and next thing you know you didn't even say the damn thing yep and so they're kind of doing that same sort of protectionism for sure and when i was early in starting to talk to the media i used to go on these long soliloquies and i you know just retarded but I yeah mean, i what know you should be doing you learn just like this is the sentence that you can print in the paper boom yep. you know or whatever it's been interesting so my partner has uh, done some tests. He testifies like an expert witness type thing for some mm-hmm. of these cases for surgery. And he, so somebody, is so somebody basically there's a botched surgery. So there's whatever. like a surgery and they say, was it clinically necessary or not? Or, you know, they kind of dig into the extreme specifics of a case and he's, you know, very experienced, very, you know, president of the arthroscopy association previously. So, tons of experience really good so and he's a very engaging guy so i always talk to him about it because it just fascinates me and he just says you have to have like a a light approach but you cannot say too much Mm -hmm. and like you're just very specific and to the point and they like he just says these these attorneys will attack you from all different directions Mm -hmm. but he said if you bite back at them that then and like my favorite comment that he had is he said there was this one attorney who was like, he knew he was going to go after this guy, the surgeon. He was basically on the side of the surgeon saying, like, I would do the surgery too. And he was like, did you know that this surgeon, it took him three times to get into medical school? Would you hire him? And he said, no, I'd tell him to go be an attorney. And just oh, like ripped it right back at him. And the jury laughed. Everybody laughed in the audience, and so the attorney stopped questioning him. Ooh, well, that's a that's a punch to the balls right there. Oh yeah, It'd be tough to get back up after that. Yeah, one. he Come said he him. and he said the attorney before he testified came in and said, "I'm gonna light you up." And like Ooh. he says, they do that all the time. That's like intimidation. They're game. like they come in and say like, "I know you're such a piece of shit," duh, 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 uh. and they like come in and play this mind game. And he said, "What's funny is these." So that's an, that's attorney trash talk. I didn't know there was there was a courtroom trash talk. Oh yeah, he said it happens. And he said the funny thing is attorneys will light each other up and they'll go have a beer afterwards, like it didn't happen. Huh? They it's just like a game within so the game. I've heard that about newscasters, like the pundits on TV. Hmm. You know, they'll just absolutely go at each other ruthlessly. Horrible. You know, your Fox News versus your CNBC, whoever. Yeah. And then after the segment is done, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, how is your family? You want to go get some dinner? I'm taking a cab back uptown. Do you want to split it? Blah, blah, blah. Just like nothing. Cause, yeah, it just brushes off the shoulder. Yeah. But, I, I mean, you would have to approach it with that level of, um, like. That objectivity. Not, yeah, or like, or like not distance, getting emotionally yeah. wrapped up in it. Because if you were emotionally wrapped up in it and in that business, you would just crumble. Yeah, you'd be, be no done. You'd be you wouldn't be able to make it. No, no. No, I think that you're right, that that distance is important. But it's just not, that's not something that I think we ever experience. Well, it's um, it's not a part of, and again, I, I think that, um, I think that's a little bit representative of some of the Minnesota nice, like Midwestern culture where, oh yeah, I mean, I don't know, trash talk, nobody did, pe- very few people trashed talk, talked trash in sports when I was playing. It wasn't, super common it occurred mm-hmm. but it wasn't like every game it all was, game no mm-hmm. it wasn't every game it wasn't it was like probably 25 percent of the teams would have somebody on the team that was jaw jacking all the time mm-hmm. that's different than 
somebody who's talking every game, every play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I just didn't see that much. And could have been just, you know, your team or where we were at and whatever, you know. But I, I don't think that we have that as, I mean, if you were playing in Philly, I would have to expect that every play somebody's chirping. Yeah, there's you more, know, a lot more I mean, chirp. There's a lot more chirp. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see if that sort of, um, that jaw jacking occurs. Because I, I can't think of like another, it's, I, I don't think public accountants are going in and being like, we're going to find that fraud. <laughs> F you, mother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you know, I don't think they walked in to the, uh, but then again, how many like middle linebackers decided to go be accountants, right? No. I mean, yeah. I think those yeah, guys has were, a certain magnetism for a certain type of personality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there any other sport? Is there any other um, like white collar job that you think trash talking is a regular part of it? Hmm. And trash talking in the sense of non like not ribbing like, like I would legitimate consider trash talk. Like legitimate trash talk. Well, it, I, it would have I, to be, be like very a adversarial. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's an adversarial job. So I can see the courtroom thing. Courtroom is a big, easy one. Um, I don't know. Negotiation. Um, yeah, negotiation, there's some of that. Oh, how about being a uh, divorce attorney? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's probably a lot oh, of... Oh, yeah. I, uh, I bet being an attorney overall attracts more of that type of... Um, oh, yeah. That, that tri- type of personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or we confrontational, could, rather. They kind of search you know. for it sometimes. You know, they do. They're like that energy and that's what I was talking about is like I you know that job wouldn't be for me I couldn't do that all day no I I really did enjoy debate class but debate class was um more of a is it more of an argument yes it was more of an expression of of like the complexity with which you understood the subject yeah as opposed to like you're, I'm you're louder. You're an effort. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna bully you over with energy. We're you gonna, know. we're gonna, we're gonna. You're gonna go your way. I'm gonna go my way. We're gonna see who wins. Because, like, people have their own different strategies. You know, mm-hmm. attorneys. You can be the. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to an attorney that said he knew this guy had a huge ego, so he didn't shake his hand and look him in the eye. He just he shook the other person's hand and then walked away. Ooh. And just like move. he just like completely ignored him, and then the guy like got super pissed off. He's like, "Oh, sorry, hey, how's it going?" And then just like continued to move on. Yeah, but it's like that type of gamesmanship. Gamesmanship. Yeah, I'm sure once you see it once as a, like an attorney, you just now know that's what you do. Yeah. But he said I picked that guy out as a huge ego, and guys with egos hate when you don't acknowledge them. But here, here is the game though that you know he's playing that sort of one to one. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan style versus Kobe, right? Yeah. Then you get into the corporate office, and next thing you know, you've got tribalism. Oh God! You've got yeah. people talking behind each other's backs. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, knowledge and information is key. Knowledge and information is key. It you got people is. withholding information. It you got people is. going back channeling the meeting after the meeting. I mean, mm-hmm. oh man. Well, it's Some like places. finding the right person too is so critical. Yeah. You know there's usually like a kind of a social leader sure and they're pretty important and people just don't like to upset the system you know my whole thing is like always be nice yeah (laughs) it's just better to be nice and better to just be positive and that has worked for me so much better than trying to play the like ego game yeah i have notorious or i have um historically been a very much just 
keep your mouth shut type of a person. Mm-hmm. And I'm experimenting with the um, use of distributing information at the right time <laughs> and like trying not to say too much, mm-hmm. but trying to say enough that it's like tactically impactful mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it's a learning process i'll just say that i've learned to shut my mouth that's what i've learned yeah because <laughs> that's for for me i'm more of a extrovert and so yeah. i form relationships i also can unfortunately control conversations mm-hmm. when i'm in these situations because it's a way to exert will on people is to control sure. the conversation and direct it but what i've been doing is trying to establish sit back and let yeah. You learn not. so much more if the other person controls the conversation. You, you you're mm-hmm. you're not playing your hands, and not basically that person is like, "This is the card I'm holding. This is the card I'm holding. This mm-hmm. is the card I'm holding. This is the card I'm holding." For sure. And then you get to dis- decide, oh, which card do I want to play? You yeah. know, and am I playing in this hand, or am I gonna am I gonna stay? And am I gonna oh, yeah. play that deploy that? Oh, knowledge hold on, in I'm gonna save one? that one for yeah, later exactly. for next meeting. And it's yeah. so funny because I've in my sales experience, which is just like a massive amount of failure and you learn quickly, which I, I'm really starting to enjoy. You just learn from your mistakes because you can see it right away. Um, I'm learning to just let the other side talk as much as possible and to just get them to see, get them to see the solution instead of telling them what the solution, like it's just sure. a, it's a flip on my opinion on, on the way I do things. And I think a lot of these quote experts are really good at telling people what to do, but it's like, how do you get them to change their behavior? They need to be the, the activator in their decision and they need to, you know, it's a lot less about what I say and more about what they say and feel. Sure. So that's been, I know we've talked about this ad probably a lot more on this podcast, but that's something that I've found just enormous benefit in. Well, it's a, it, it's very it's topical. It's it's top of mind for you at this point in your life. For sure. So like yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean another thing that was top of mind that we didn't really give it to do justice was the crime show thing. Oh yeah, so the crime show thing. So that was one thing we we watched for a while, but then we started to talk. Can you give about, me an example? Yeah, so we watched Cold Case. Okay. Which it's like okay, Cold Case. They've, the case has gone cold, and, and then they pick it up. Now again. they got DNA, and now there's semen everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. You know, it's like yeah. everyone has started to be the same. It's like, and I can't remember what comedian does it, but he does a bit where he just is like, "Yeah, I've been watching crime shows, and I just, I just thought that every crime, every criminal who commits a crime, just immediately ejaculates, ejaculates yeah. and busts semen everywhere, and then runs off." Uh huh. So, um, and is cold case one of those like semi? biographical one or is it like a recreation is it fictional no so this is it's it's true information okay so they get like the real participants and they go this was the and they kind of they're not actors it's not like csi no it's not totally it's it's all real oh and then they have like but then they have like the fake reenactments of people that look like the people and then they do the interviews of the actual people okay so it's like you know the brother of the kid that or the the guy that got killed um Mm-hmm. you know, talks about his experience. And then you get the, that's why I was joking about the cops. Cause then they interview all the cops that are like, you know, talking through, I opened up this box that was placed over here and you're just like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So we watch that show, which is interesting, but then it's like, okay, well, Same I guess they found DNA somewhere. Time. Oh, yeah. it's blood this time. It's not semen. Like it's just a little different. Yeah. But what we decided was we started feeling like shit after watching these shows. Hmm. It's like we would try to use it, like you said, levity or like just 
as like, as a, something to not focus on you know it's like, a, an escapism sort of thing yeah we yeah. need to, like and it was we're trying to experiment with what works best for us but we you just started feeling like down mm-hmm. and you're looking you're like wow humans kind of suck sometimes because you know do. some it's like i was this has been my thing with crime shows and i i know we're of kind of the same opinion it's like why do you want to watch a show that's about like some uncle raping his nephew yeah well i mean it's just it puts a extremely negative image and like potential reality Uh in your head it's like planting seeds in your head that could sprout into future horror thoughts and i yeah i used to always think that when like people would enjoy watching horror movies i was Mm -hmm. like I already have enough scenarios in my head when the lights go out about what can happen. Yeah. I don't need M. Night Shyamalan to give me another scenario that's terrifying as I fuck to, con- to to consider. When yeah, I'm, like another possibility. You know, when I'm walking through the woods, like uh-huh. Jason is enough, you know? Like I don't need another potential more outrageous and more terrifying strat you know yeah potential occurrence to also seed my brain you know i mean it's just i never understood it but no and i i still to this day don't and what we determined was we don't like watching those shows anymore because it like pulls us down so we got the complete opposite route and watch comedy shows stand-up comedy yeah and so we hit up you know our our new one is that that finnish guy ismo Sure, yeah. He's pretty hilarious. He's got some good stuff. He's just like super dry. And the way he says things is just so different than a lot of comedians because he's just... Uh, his delivery is different. His delivery culturally. Cultural, you know, like way yeah. different, so it's more interesting. Mm-hmm. And the way he looks at things is obviously different than we do. And his he's big on language, like the language barrier. Yeah, he really that was like, a good bit. That, uh, he's done like a... He does like a lot of language ones, and they're all like not the same. It's interesting. Hmm. So we do him, and then of course we hit up Bill Burr because he's hilarious. He's just super funny, and he just says it like it is sometimes, and mm-hmm. he gets himself into into holes, and then tries to dig himself out. And so we've been doing the comedy thing. That's been kind of our big thing. We hit up YouTube as like a short sure. shortcut to finding. Well, have ones. you been paying attention to SNL? No. Okay, so Elise and I enjoy SNL because I think it's. It has the potential to be mm-hmm. an extremely like culturally relevant um, forum in terms of yeah, they have like an the- amazing opportunity to address like the idiocracy of humanity mm-hmm. in a setting that is arguably the largest comedic platform available. Yeah, multiple times in a year in quick succession and. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been so many amazing SNL um, performances and cast members that I, I've I watch some of the clips. I don't watch it on Saturday night, but mm-hmm. on YouTube I'll, I'll tune in to and like I'll, the most watched one or whatever. I, sometimes I'll I'll I will watch an entire episode of SNL on YouTube and it'll take me 10 to 15 minutes because I'll make it 30 to 45 seconds in a skit and I will just clip it out because yeah. they just suck. They, they do. suck. Well, it's just they hit the same thing every time. They hit the same thing. They're extremely one-dimensional. They, um, well, we know it's Elizabeth Warren or Donald Trump or every single Cole, every single open of the entire show this year has been a political sketch and it's kind of like, all right, we get it. Like think some and, shit. and none of it is ever like, original contents yeah. from from the political side so um the only there were there was one episode 
that was extraordinarily well done. And what became sad, or what I've realized, is that the entire show is driven by the comedic potential of the host. Really? Yeah. Yes. So they. Okay. So if the you know you know the show Fleabag, mm-hmm. um, the, the Phoebe the, Walter or something or other, the uh, chick? yeah, the British woman, yeah, she she's really funny. She was on the show. Fleabag is funny. Yeah, and she was on the show, and it was hilarious. Really, it was so funny. And then so she probably brings a whole new breath of comedic refreshment. Oh my gosh! And it was just so clear that like your cast is not capable of generating any original ideas mm-hmm. because. She comes along, they have a hilarious show because they're all feeding off of her energy. And then Chance the Rapper was next, who was moderate. I mean, yeah. he knows what he can do and he does that well, but he's not like multidimensional comedic no. genius, you know? No, not at all. And then next was Kristen Stewart, and that was just the worst episode ever. It was like watching paint dry. I mean, because yeah. she's just, you know, not funny. Not interesting. Not yeah. interesting. No, not at not, all. Not like willing to sacrifice herself for the comedy. And mm-hmm. and that's what they're missing is they just don't have that. So I um, I, I still tune in. feedback for you there. Yeah, if you're out there. The only thing that's floating the boat right now, I'll tell you, weekend update. Really? That's it. So who are the two on it now? It's Colin Jost and Michael Che. Che and Jost. And they are they're probably the only reason that I would actually tune in to mm-hmm. SNL. They're funny. They're funny. Mm-hmm. And though it's a great forum, you're straight on looking at the camera, news story, current event, punchline. Mm-hmm. You don't have to create a story arc. Yeah, it's you like don't rip, have rip, to rip, try. We're done. You don't have to try and make a statement about you know whatever. Mm-hmm. They're the most ruthless and the most culturally insensitive people on the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the only ones who actually take shots at that would potentially be, you know, risky. Yeah, and that that would hurt the producers at NBC. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm nostalgic about the old days, but I'm still comedy's shifting though. It's it, shifting to more like these Netflix, yeah, shows. Well, we've seen some actually really funny Netflix live shows, like live. Just, well, like the well, just their episode, sure, like their, their, their series or whatever. whatever it is. Yeah, it's like their. So Fleabag was that's Amazon. Oh, okay. I believe, but that was remarkable. I it's thought, a really good show. Yeah, and very funny. Very funny. Um, any? Have you seen any other ones that did mm. you t- did you turn it, tune into the Bill Burr F is for Family one? Because I did not. No, I tried an episode and just mm-hmm. couldn't even get through it. And I was no, like, I ah, even, we haven't yeah. even tried. No, I've, I've not, not been it. watching as much Netflix as possible as I can, yeah, as course. I once yeah. have. But I'm trying to think of what we've. I mean, we just hit the comedy shows, and I'll go and just look at what's the top sure. rated comedy, and we'll go down. Um, well, I, th- I think there is a extreme vacuum for for comedy right now. Mm. You know, just and that's why I think stand up is having such a moment is because um, it's a forum where you still have more freedom. And I think the the studios are just playing to the middle too much. Yeah. You know, too much to have it be any fun. Yeah, and like you know, when you do these when you do these like shows, they really just go, and it's like. They don't have to. They don't have to do it on ABC, so they don't have to. Yeah, I mean, like they're not answering to anybody. They just are themselves. Yeah, Netflix allows you a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. There are some super weird cult British comedies on Netflix hmm. that are worth a watch. Hmm. Um, one of them is called Bad Education, hmm. and then there's this other one about. Um, 
You know Trailer Park Boys. Oh yeah. It's essentially the Irish version of Trailer Park oh, that Boys. That would be funny. Oh my gosh, it's really hard to understand what the guys are actually saying. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those shows where you watch the idiocy of these people and they are funny mm-hmm. and and the situations they get them in are funny because they're just so absurd and you're like how did some how I I can see this happening, and the real and the reality of this actually occurring is what's funny is how 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 base it is and how realistic it probably mm. also is. Yeah, that's that's comedy is like real is such a factor in like oh my gosh that's so true. Mm-hmm. Like on those really funny jokes, it's like oh my god that hurts and it's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it crosses your boundary, but you also are like oh that makes sense. Well, I, I think Seinfeld kind of popularized that with the show about nothing mm-hmm. in terms of we're just going to put people in funny situations and have mm-hmm. it be like very outlandish real life. Yeah. You know, we're going to embellish like on Kramer, the character. Mm-hmm. He just gets himself into weird situations and like gets out of them in really hilarious ways. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, I feel like... um it's it, it just would be very a very challenging job to be like a comedy writer in oh, today's yeah. climate. I mean, for with sure. so much that's culturally off limits. You mm-hmm. you have so little to work with in terms of material. For sure, especially if you're trying to answer like if even like I bet with Netflix, you have to go through some. There's got to be some censorship. Some censorship yeah. that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and Which, you can. There's serious backlash. I mean, for doing something wrong. Well, did you ever watch the original Office with Ricky Gervais? Yeah, yeah. And what did you think of that? It's funny. It's like it's because that is textbook British humor. Uh huh. My only gripe on it, it's depressing. Oh yeah, it's just like it's it makes so you, depressing. Well, Ricky Gervais is depressing. He he like if you watch any of his stand up, it is so he is negative. It is so negative. It is ne- it never is positive. No, it's like no. dude, I feel sorry for your. He basically just rips on life and talks about how shitty people and everything are. Yeah, and it and with a funny lens on it, mm-hmm. and it's like, and it's that's not the type of comedy I'm really starting to enjoy. I like the no, people that like are kind of like, why are we doing this? This is so dumb. Yeah, yeah. you know, and there's it's it's really hard. I think you know, like fifty. 30% of it is good and 70% of it kind of is take it or leave it. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. But, but like everything hits I'm, all the I just time. like the negative, the negativity really gets old after a while. It does for me as well. Cause it's yeah. like, okay, you really don't have anything else. Other well, it's, than, it's the crime show thing. It puts mm-hmm. you yeah. in this like, Oh, here are the bad things about life rather yeah. than the good things. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's really yeah. sort of bring a full circle on the crime show thing. I once asked, my significant other, why do you watch crimes and choose like crime shows? And she's like, well, I just want to be prepared for things, which I think is the absolute biggest, bo- you know, oh, yeah. bullshit I, ever. I, and so, maybe she honestly feels that way. But um, I think there, I don't know how, like, it's not like me watching The Walking Dead is going to make me more prepared for a zombie apocalypse, right? Well, yeah, I know. No way. I mean, like, <laughs> I if I were out at the gun range, like, shooting a fucking oh, firearm. Oh, for sure. That be, is how you, that's how you right? get prepared. You know what I mean? I mean, like. Well, not, I, I was like, oh, so I was, that's oh, the exact no, same thing. I know what to do. I saw this in one episode yeah. of The Walking Dead. Oh, you know. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing that I go back to my significant uh, others. The exact same. She had the exact same thing. Yeah. I just feel like I'm learning. Yeah. Like what, what people are capable of. And I said, okay, so what did you learn? 
tell me the takeaway message of this last yeah, episode. What is the takeaway message of the day Take, for, tell for me cold the, uh, Tell me for cold, cold case, case files. <laughs> What's the takeaway message of the day? Watch uh, out for your uncle? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, there's semen on the wall. He'll get yeah, it. Yeah. In 20 years Just when DNA evidence is around. Bring a black light and a yeah. test tube with you everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah, like oh, God, I got. Uh, you. Make sure you have a. Make sure you have a like uh, one of those bio collection kits with you. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, uh, or maybe you just have to stab them with a pencil so their blood goes everywhere. But they could clean it up themselves. You know, make so it's sure like, you scratch them, and then immediately yeah. after you scratch them, just deposit whatever is under your skin nails in a test tube, <laughs> and then go straight to the. <laughs> I mean, it's like ridiculous. I know. And that's, what uh, is the? Give me the. Give me the conclusion slide. You know, yeah, I mean, what yeah. are the what do, what, what's the, the take home message? The takeaway yeah. message of the day, just give it to me, <laughs> and that's the the crime scene takeaway message. And so that I will say, I think that point landed pretty well. So yeah, sure. I keep I asking mean, that one, and then it, yeah, it, so then over we've, time, we you don't like to be faced with your own, you know, no, stuff right there. No, I yeah. I mean, if they if she would have asked me like the same thing about a comedy show, I would have the same response. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Well. You would hope you would get levity out of it. You get entertainment, and if it's if it's if you're just watching the show for pure entertainment, that's fine. What know, if like, I? So we we talked about the biggest differences with how we feel afterwards. Sure. You know, like do we feel good, or like oh man that was funny. Let's go to bed, or oh let's go do our thing now, or go outside, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or God, what the hell? Oh, you like yeah. talk about it, yeah. and you're like Why I can't believe be, that. I know we are. Da, da, People are absolute suckers for misery, though. For sure. I mean, misery, uh-huh. misery. What loves is it? Company. Loves company. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what brings people together. It's it is unfortunate, but that's the reality. So. Well, and I think sometimes Midwestern people are kind of like the woe well, is me. Yeah, I don't definitely. like. I'm we're not totally misery prone. I'm not I mean, like. Oh, I'm not the best person. Yeah. I'm, you know, like I'm kind of shitty. You know, it's like this totally. little. It's like a little slight, but it's like a mentality that is not healthy yep I, it doesn't doesn't work and we've been talking about that a lot between us is how do we change that and like you don't want to surround yourself with that all day so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's not watch crime shows you know yeah and we talked last time on the podcast about the um origins of uh humility mm-hmm. and not necessarily being that like oh no what was me sort of approach mm-hmm. you know so we're we're not going to go into it at this point because you can go back to the and archives listen. and check yeah. it out but if you do, make sure you reach into your top drawer and grab one of those pairs of Just Brown underwear to prepare yourself for some amazing laughter and skill building, which could ensue if you check out the archives. Mm-hmm. So um, that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week when we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. 